Oh, the appreciator. Yeah, we're we're here once again, and I'm playing around with uh, experiments here, uh, seeing if this. Uh, I've I've been playing back and forth with this built-in microphone, which allows me to have out-of-studio experiences and seeing if this will work along with the noise reduction. This Adobe Noise Enhancer, it's a, while it has a few quirks, um, if there is too much noise, it will actually alter the voices to the point where they no longer sound like the person who's talking. It gives it this really artificial um, voice. I, the, the episode 26 seems to uh, have become corrupted. I don't know. This audacity, I have to revert to an older version, I think, because this, this version has some quirks. Well, they've changed a couple things kind of drastically, and I think by doing that and the way the different tracks and layers interplay, sometimes it seems that, well, I'm getting like uh, doubled instead of it playing one track and then the other in linear fashion. It will mix things together and then, you know, it's very hard to listen to somebody the same voice saying two different things at the same time, is it not?
Okay, so here we are back on the regular mic in the studio. And yes, it does seem to be adequate uh, for mobile recording, which is good because uh, yeah, we and we were talking to Mike, talking to we were listening to Mike Booty's latest Midnight Citizen, and yes, he was talking about opportunistic recording. And sometimes when I'm at work, I'm just between things, and I could talk for a few minutes, and I have to take advantage of every second. We all, all of us, recording guys. Probably, Oedicus. Um, the more you do this, the more I do this, the more good... Sh- I mean, it, it, the more good shows that I feel I'm doing. Sometimes I feel like I started, and it's not so bad that I toss it, but it's not me progressing and saying things and the, on, on the point. Yeah, the, the focused... As, uh, yes, we did an Overnight Scape Central on fear yesterday, and you should check that out because it is quite fine. And, and the Overnight Scape Central is making some sort of a comeback. We had, uh, what, five contributors yesterday all together. That was uh, a beautiful thing to see and experience once again. Um, that, 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 that We have this community, and that makes me feel uh, like I'm part of it. And at this point, you know, living basically alone in this little dinky, unfit town. I mean, not unfit, but there's like no stores. There's no restaurants. It, it's kind of, and especially lately, uh, whatever gentrification is going on with the rents going up and everything, one restaurant after another has been closing and that that's really hard for me to deal with uh besides learning to cook and making my own food and i've been using uh a meal delivery service to mixed effect yes it's healthier eating certainly than i can make now it's a little pricey but i could absorb that work a couple more hours whatever and that's covered but some of these things are so salty I don't know what it is about people and salt with certain dishes and certain food, but this I have become very sensitive to salty things over the last few months, and it's just a torture to put down. There was something with lentils and rice, and it was like eating forkful after forkful of just salt or something. It just wasn't good. Um, and, uh, Mike did a day episode and he's been doing that driving around in his car and, but that's fine because as I like to say, it's always night somewhere. And if you can maintain that night feel, you're, you're going to do it. And yeah, there's a movie crew running around Birmingham, uh, and yeah, towns get real excited, uh, when Holly, people just, I don't know. They get very excited when a movie's made. Even if it's a lousy film, if it plays in their hometown, they're going to run to see it to see, I don't know, how the neighborhood over there looked. Or uh, Whenever Truth or Consequences is in a film, uh, it becomes a really big attraction here. There are several that have been shot here over the years. And whenever they're shown in the local theater, 
people turn out that people see them two, three times because, you know, the, a friend of theirs was an extra. They were an extra. And I don't know. Uh, I might. I, I don't. Well, I got do. I was almost going to be in movies when uh, Coptic Nerve, my director friend, was here. But he's off in L.A. working on whatever he's working on film wise. I think the whole film, well, the whole film industry is now at a dead standstill because the writer's strike, I thought it was over, but uh, Mike mentioned that as well. It is still on. So anything, I guess, that wasn't already planned and firmed up, uh, they nobody can write anything legitimately because of how unions work in the film industry and television. I guess it also means all of the talk shows are on sabbatical, if not dead in the water, especially if this goes on for any length of time. Not that I feel, you know me, after like David Letterman left, uh, the, the, all these hosts now, I, it's not for me anyways. I, I don't enjoy that whatsoever. And, um, oh, Frank was talking about the, oh, I have to talk about that track that we heard. Oh, yes, I almost forgot I played a song there in the middle of everything else. And um, that was, a, they used to do songs just about a car and use the brand name. And a song used to have one verse. And that was it. And it was mostly about, I guess, dance music. And sure, there was a little vocal chorus. And that was an example of that entire thing from 1924. The Bernie Kruger orchestra not particularly big or famous but hey back then there weren't that many recording artists so you had to be somebody and ray and his little chevrolet of the cute little verse and yeah he was getting the chicks uh, that was basically the gist of the uh, song lyric and maybe uh, a little car crazy at the same time because yeah, having a personal motor car, well, by 1924, at least I imagined that most people weren't still driving a horse. And uh, back to a recent Frank Nora show, he was referring to the gong show. And boy, do I remember the gong show. That was really something uh, in, in the day. And the, what I remember most that Frank didn't, uh, it made a star, at least temporarily, out of Murray Langston, who was just, you know, this stand-up comic who would appear in various places. But what he did was he put a paper bag over his head and painted a little smile or something on it, cut out the eyes, and would come out and tell in rapid-fire succession some of the worst, horniest, awful pun-like wordplay jokes and laugh at his own jokes and he uh, was the unknown comic and he became sort of a celebrity in the day uh, when the gong show was at its peak and it did really have a peak back then it was a remarkable show and yes they've uh, tried to revive it many times and not been able to I mean they made a movie out of it and the thing that was probably, it was a flop, of course, because they made it after the craze was basically over and it had become overplayed. And the only thing I remember about the movie 
was it was kind of spicy in that uh, J.P. Morgan, who was one of the regular uh, people who would judge and decide whether or not they would bang the gong on these performers, uh, took her top off and showed her uh, her bosoms. So uh, I think there were people... Back then, there was a thing if a celebrity showed their themselves naked. There were like magazines called Celebrity Skin. And uh, I remember way back, there was... What magazine was it? Was it High Society or Hustler? Somebody managed to get very grainy, blurry footage from, I guess, an offshore yacht of Jacqueline Kennedy Onassis... Um, the widow of John F. Kennedy, um, topless. And that was just a big controversial thing back in those wild 70s that I grew up in. I mean, I I suppose even now nudes of somebody of that echelon might elicit some sort of attention, but not the kind like that. That was just just huge. And, and, And Frank was talking about the flipping of baseball cards, which that was big. That was really big when I was growing up. We we would do that, and then did, I always lost. I was just terrible. Whether it was, and there were two ways of doing it: the genuine flipping of cards, and you would each stand, and from about waist high, you would drop the card and make it tumble through the air and it would land heads or tails. And if you matched your opponent, it was yours. And if you didn't match your opponent, it was theirs. And uh, that was a fun thing to do at recess or at summer camp. And then, of course, you know, to somebody that would tell their parents, you know, they, they would, the parents would ask, what happened to your baseball cards? And they'd say, oh, I lost them, that, 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 that. And the parents would get involved because, you know, that's what parents do when kids suddenly are trading things that were gifts. You know, you get uh, a present that you don't like too much. I I remember I traded a radio, a clock radio that I got with somebody for some comic books. And that was a big deal. The parents came into the room like, what happened to your clock radio? And I said, well, I traded it for these comic books. And, oh, you did? And who did you trade with? And we're going to speak to their parents. Yeah. This was the kind of stuff that happened. And Frank also mentioned Ekinkar, which I don't know if it's big anymore, but in the Catskills in the 80s, there was quite a groundswell. And it, it, it does have some interesting facets because one of the main tenets of this religion is to be creative, do music, do art. Um, That is like a sacrament, which I don't know of many uh, faiths that do that, but it also had, you know, the kooky element and, of course, the handout asking for donations and money to be a member and you'd go to these events and they would be expensive and there would be these, I mean... The few people I knew who were into it would play me these lectures, and it was like Amway or something, just kooky, nutty. But I like the idea of some sort of uh, group. I mean, I suppose the artist Shaman Q 
part of the tenants, aside from other things, is using your creativity and uh, your assets in a way that, I don't know, that accomplishes something with them. Uh, I mean, he does all that artwork and he now has, what, four, maybe five separate Airbnbs where you stay in an art museum. Frank Norris stayed in one when he was here last year in 20, or was it? It was 2022, I believe, when Frank visited. Although this old man, he can't keep track of things. Anyhow, uh, I think we should listen to a little Vic and Sade right now. And now get ready to smile again with radio's home folks, Vic and Sade. Say, you know what I got here? A big slice of fresh strawberry rhubarb pie I got from the Crisco kitchen. Uh-huh, half strawberry and half rhubarb. And it's got a tricky-looking lattice work for the top crust. Gosh, it looks so good, I sort of hate to sink my teeth into it, but here goes. Mmm. Mmm. Well, sir, it's about 7 o'clock as we head to the small house halfway up to the next block now. And here in the living room, we find all our friends assembled, including Sage Uncle Fletcher. Uncle Fletcher is seated beside young Rush on the Davenport, and we hear him say, Yes, I carry considerable keys in my pockets. Always have. When you resource the main one bunch, better than a hundred here. Don't they weigh you down? Some. Let me have some one. Five. Golly, did you ever see so many keys? Look once, girl. Holy smoke. All through life, I've carried a big bunch of keys. Made the point never to throw a key away. Somebody told me one time it's bad luck to throw keys away. Ever hear that, Sadie? No, I don't believe so. Tell you who gave me that information. No, I ain't. Harry McFitcher. Mm-hmm. You recollect Harry likely. No. Dixon man? Belvedere. Uh-uh. Here's a party that's telling you about to fall off the piano stool, got his knee caught in his necktie, and choked to death before anybody could get him untangled. Good. I did tell you about that, didn't I? Well, I don't quite remember it. Five. <laughs> Your anecdotes, Uncle Fletcher, are always so startling. Uh-huh. No, Harry was visiting a young lady there in Belvedere. And after supper, everybody was lazing around the living room, and the young lady's papa said, Step over to the piano, Harry, and slam us out of tune. You say you don't remember Harry, Sadie? Uh-uh. Well, it could play the piano like a cyclone. Hmm. The young lady's papa said, Step over to the piano, Harry, and slam us out of tune. Uh, Harry whirled the stool around a few times, sat down, lost his footing, crashed to the floor and began to squirm. Nobody knew what was the matter. Come to find out Harry got his knee caught in his necktie, right on the spot. My lands. Very sad thing. My stars, yeah. They wrote it up in the Freeport papers and all around. Do you use all these keys, Uncle Fletcher? Oh, no. Don't use a tenth of them. <laughs> I was going to say... This here key is by Dorky at home. Uh-huh. This half-wit key, as far as I know, don't unlock anything. Uh-huh. Fancy would know. Yeah. My little curly-cues and junk. Might be a bookcase key. Bookcase keys are generally like this. No, I see. Right. So I carry keys. Take some fellows. They don't carry keys, but I do. I carry keys. Uh-huh. Delicious supper, Sadie. Oh, thank you. Here's a big son of a gun of a key. That key rush unlocks a tool house on the Chicago, Burlington, and Quincy Railroad. Yeah? Chicago, Burlington, and Quincy Railroad. Huh. 
I've carried it for more than 20 years. Huh. I always figure carrying a big bunch of keys helps a fellow make a good impression on people. Oh, so? Beg pardon, Blake? What's your line of reasoning? Uh-huh. <laughs> you just said you figured carrying keys makes a good impression on people. God wonders how you come to that conclusion. Oh, wondered about that, huh, Vic? Yeah. Uh-huh. No, it's the way you're built, I guess. I carry keys. Maybe you don't carry keys. I only carry the ones I use. Sure. Well, I can understand that. Leland Richards lugs a lot of keys around with him. Leland is a good boy. He hasn't got as many as you've got, but he's got enough to weigh his pockets down to where it looks like he's carrying a brick around with him. Leland's all right. I saw Leland just this afternoon. Delicious supper, Sadie. I thought it was pretty fair myself. Uh-huh. No, I'll tell you, Rush. Well, I carry plenty of keys on him, and people look up to you. Is that right? I say I'm going into a store to buy a pair of sleeve garters. Uh-huh. I tell the half-foot clerk I want sleeve garters. Tell him I want good sleeve garters. Good sleeve garters and no-nonsense or back talk. <clears throat> then I pull my bunch of keys out of my pocket and twirl them around, careless and absent-minded. Half-foot clerk's eyes will bug out every time. He'll jump up sharp and look alive. That's the same principle as when you price a big lot of money. Some fellas do that. Some fellas flip out a roll of bills as fat as your leg. But I find a big bunch of keys gets the same results. Yeah, I carry keys. Oh. You guys want to play with me? We're chatting along fine, Rick. Okay. Maybe you'd like to pop some popcorn after a while. Not at all. Well, seems like we ought to do something to entertain you. Yes, it does. Mm -hmm. What's this little bit of a key? Watch key. Watch key? Rush, haven't you ever seen a key winder or watch? No. I can recall what there wasn't any other kind. Remember the old key winder I used to have, Sadie? Oh, you bet I do. Uh, I used to hold it up to you and Bessie's here. Uh-huh. Do you still have it at home? That watch got sliced into 40 pieces. Oh, really? I let it to Charlie Eggles. Charlie got mad at Ed Werford and threw it at him. Half which watch bounced off Ed's head and hit the side of a building. Watch wasn't worth 30 cents afterwards. <laughs> I call it bad judgment to throw a watch at the guy. Fine. I suppose you knew Charlie Eagles, didn't you? The Dixon's huh? Yeah. Born and raised in Belvedere. I think they used to tell it on Charlie and never was outside of Belvedere City limits. Hot tempered as a horse. Well, he threw my watch at that worker. Hit him too, right in the head. It howled like a panther. Yeah. Maybe there's some nice card game where all four could play. Well, sure. Try up a few chairs. I hear Rush is a key full of hands at me one time. Handed you? Out of a clear sky. Never saw the fellow before and never saw him since. I was walking along the street in Dexter, Missouri. I felt a nudge on Melbourne, and here was a man in a straw hat and nose glasses. Take this, he says. He had me the key and then turned around and run down the street. Make her a tale of that? <laughs> no. Make her a tale of that, Vic? <laughs> no. Make her a tale of that, Sadie? <laughs> no. Well, I couldn't make her a tale of it. But thought about it considerable, too. Get down to Dexter, Missouri, much, Vic? Never set foot in the place. Fine. No, you take it like I'm going into a lunchroom or somewhere. Say to the clerk, Look, my friend, two eggs over easy. I don't want any delay and I don't want any cute remarks. Legs over easy and hustle. Then I out with my big bunch of keys. Got the trick every time. That waiter will take one look and then his jaw will drop open and he'll trot off after my eggs like a racehorse. 
<laughs> I never thought you were the kind of a gentleman that talks sharp and crossed a waiter, Uncle Fletcher. Uh-huh. Oh, they respect you, boy, see? Fellow with a big bunch of keys on him gives the impression he is somebody. I've worked it time and time again. Remember Ollie Mudbiggle? No. Married Helen Yeeps? Dixon people? Yeah. Born and raised in Belvedere, just like Charlie Higgles. Well, one time Ollie and myself were going to take in a picture show at Freeport. Ollie stepped up to the ticket window and bought a ticket. I was right behind him and tore him a big bunch of keys. The girl selling tickets took one glance at the keys and said, You may go in free of charge, sir. Well, uh, Ollie Munfigle. Uh, Died in a funny way, Ollie. I bet he did. Ben <laughs> Did he swallow a knife and fork? Who, Ollie? No. I bet he tripped over a mad dog. No, he didn't. Ollie Mudfickle got his head caught in a suitcase. Oh, my. He was packing his suitcase to take a trip to Newton Isle. I suppose you get around to Newton Isle a considerable bit. Never been there. Fine. He was packing his suitcase and his wife was helping him. After the suitcase was so full, they couldn't get it shut. Ollie says, hey, Helen, sit on the half-width suitcase. Well, sir, she sat on the half-width suitcase... Never noticed that Ollie's head was inside. He died? He died. Oh, my. Yes, very sad thing. All your pals seem to end up passing away under very tragic circumstances, Uncle Fletcher. Fine. No, everybody felt bad about Ollie. Very popular fall around Belvedere there. Delicious supper tonight, Sadie. Thank you. I'll pop popcorn after a while if you want to. All right. I'll let clock, 8.30, quarter to nine. At a clock, 9.15. We'll feel like popping a little popcorn. Uh-huh. How about a four-handed game of rummy? Yeah, let's play rummy, everybody. Okay. How about an Uncle Fletcher? A nice game of cards, and afterwards we'll get out the popcorn popper. Fine, fine. Here's your keys, Uncle Fletcher. Oh, yeah, I carry keys. All through the life of carry keys. Made the point never to throw away a key. Uh-huh. I carry keys. Which concludes another brief interlude at the small house halfway up in the next block. And here we leave, they can say, until the next time. Say, are there some rosy red tomatoes sitting in your kitchen windowsill? There are? Well, if you really want to taste something good, try slicing those tomatoes and frying them in pure all-vegetable Crisco. Oh, boy. Crisco really does wonders for fried foods. It gives them such crispy golden crust. And foods fried the Crisco way are digestible. Why, in answer to a question sent to doctors by a leading medical publication, two out of every three doctors who replied specifically called attention to Crisco's digestibility. Why, one look at snowy white Crisco and you'll know it won't give you heavy, greasy fried foods. Oh, no. They'll be crispy and tender and light. Remember, Sure Mix Crisco is a new kind of shortening. It gives you lighter cakes than any other shortening we know of. Yet Crisco is thrifty enough to use for fried foods, too. Costs only a few pennies a week to do all your frying. Won't you see what a wonderful difference a pure all-vegetable shortening can make in your fried foods? Get Crisco today. Don't forget to listen to Crisco's Vic and Save the next time, brought to you by Parker & Gamble, the makers of Crisco. This is Ed Hurley, he's speaking. Oh, yes, Uncle Fletcher and Keys. Oh, man. Yeah, the only person I knew carried lots of keys. I worked in an arcade, as some of you know, growing up. And the boss, Phil, back then, you didn't have, like, master keys. He had this 
massive thing that hung from his belt that had to have had, it just, it was like a cluster of all kinds of keys that opened. And I'm sure maybe he didn't need them all, all the time, but he walked around and, and went from place to place. Uh, I, I'm surprised he was able to stand up straight with all the keys. And yeah, I, I guess Uncle Fletcher is just such a well-written example of what I feel like I'm becoming, this digressor and this person who's, somebody's talking about one thing and I grab onto one tiny element of what they're talking about and find something in my head that kind of goes along with it. And I'm off in Belvedere with Schminky Von Hu, who married a woman 73 years old and later died and went into the mink haircut business. I just... Oh, but if nothing else, these uh, programs may document some sort of uh, overall form of decay... I don't know. Um, but that's that's what we got. Uh, I, a lot of digression and not too many great ideas per se. But uh, we, we keep it coming and uh, there will be more. Um, we're working at it constantly to uh, create these, these expressions, I suppose. And all of your comments... And, uh, yeah, I got to do something about this Mark Twain guy, and that's forthcoming probably on the next Big Appreciation Showcase. Um, it, it, it just steer me a little, and I'm more than glad to at least uh, do a Brett-style uh, series of opinionated digressions, not even based on fact, but based on all of the stuff that has been stuffed into my head in various encounters and readings and watchings through this tangled existence that has been mine. And uh, hopefully your existence is interestingly tangled. And uh, we'll catch you the next time. Set the controls for the heart of the fun till then. <laughs>